season uh, comes to an end one that as, as, as much as anything else just kind of unfortunate to see this season end you know I'd like to just see another another shot we had a shot there at the end um, just uh, you know pro- you know should have taken a timeout and we're, we're we're right there you know we're in a spot there to do it um, but unable to you know get that Baker makes a pass where it, you know you got to do something it's fourth down and, you know, you can't take a sack, so he throws it up. It gets picked off. It's third interception. But uh, just tough to – you know, because I hate that team. I hate the Ravens. They're going to go to the playoffs now, and they're going to play the Chargers next week. I hope the Chargers um, just go in there. And, and I hope that, you know, Baker now being – you know, having tore up their defense twice – uh, shows the Chargers how to right the uh, ship and, and go in there and beat them like they should have beaten them two weeks ago. Uh, my name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. A disappointed post game here. Um, dis- disappointed in the in the outcome of the game. Really, 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 really wanted this one, and it was. It did. It, it felt like a playoff game. As they they were saying at the end, this was our playoff game, and team definitely you know you're in a spot there to win after being getting down way late or uh, or i should say by a lot early on and unable to uh, finish it off and that's disappointing certainly it's um it's not the outcome that you want and the way that you know missed field goal um and a spot there at the end of the first half where um we we should have come away with points one way or another but we don't, and so uh, we end up, <clears throat> you know, and, and that, you know, it, it, the game comes down to so many different things. You know, I, it, they say it's a game of inches. I think it's a game of situations, and it's not one play or even even really a couple of plays oftentimes. It's a lot of things. Today there was a lot of things that led to us losing this one, um, not the least of which is giving up almost 300 yards on the ground. Um, and good job by us. We, we gave up Nick Chubb's 1,000-yard season. Um, late in the game, and you know it's it's it was certainly a uh, and and I it, you don't want to and and it's certainly this is pr- probably taking this um uh, this this thought to this adage or whatever to the extreme, but you don't want to let the the perfect be the enemy of the good. Certainly, winning this game, what is the the desired outcome? Uh, what we all wanted and could have happened, should have happened. Might have happened if not for the officiating. Once again, very suspect. Um, they got it right at the end there with a couple of um, key catches. You know, Mayfield leading the team down, and you know, a couple of plays got. Um, we ended up getting the, the the benefit of the replay on. But I say it's disappointing the way that the season ended. But uh, seven, eight, and one is the record on the year after going zero and sixteen last season. You know, I mean, I remember last year after uh, that final game against Pittsburgh. Some people actually that was their favorite episode ever 
of this broadcast, which has been doing now games following, doing uh, casts after every Browns game, um, going all the way back to the beginning of the 2016 season. It's been a really fun time. Actually, it didn't really start getting fun until this year. It really didn't start getting fun until after, what was it, week nine, when uh, after the Kansas City game, when uh, we beat the Falcons. And that really kind of kicked off this run. Ended the season on a uh, five and three, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, rip there to, to uh, stop the. Yeah, that's what Greg Williams finishes his record as interim head coach after the firing of Hugh Jackson. Really, the turning point. And yeah, I mean, you can look, go back and look at you know the Oakland game, the Bucks game, even this game, the uh, the first Pittsburgh game, the Saints game. We had a lot of we have opportunities to uh, win a lot of close games that we didn't this season, and um, I, you know I, I'm, I'm kind of with a lot of people in the, from the standpoint of I you know all of that had to happen in order for us to fire Hugh Jackson when we did because I think that firing Hugh Jackson coincides with uh, this kind of sterling offensive output that we've seen here in the second half of the year. Uh, absolutely the uh, the catalyst of that being the sensational rookie year of Baker Mayfield. And yeah, I mentioned his three interceptions. I'm, you know, very I'm 5 minutes into the the cast without even mentioning uh yet anyway, the three touchdown passes. So he did get the the record that we were all hoping that he would get. And while it's a disappointing 26-24 loss to the Ratbirds, then they unfortunately go on to win the AFC North. Um, well, that's well, that's the unfortunate outcome. The, the at least the second best thing happened, and that was Baker getting that touchdown record, uh, beating, moving past both Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson. And I think that it probably puts the mark on, you know, one of if not the best rookie seasons ever. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he's going to win the rookie of the year. And if he doesn't, whatever. And I, I, and I don't really know that it matters. I mean, a lot of people are like, yeah, I hope he gets snubbed because then he'll be all kinds of motivated. I, I don't think it matters. I don't, I don't think that this guy lacks for motivation. You know, this game had some rough spots. It's a good defense, number one de- defense in the league, right? And yet he hung uh, more points on them than what they're accustomed to, more big plays on, one, on them than what they're accustomed to. He'll get better. He'll learn from today's game, even though we played a pretty good game. You know, if this was if this was a game, you know, where one of our usual um, swinging, you know, what quarterbacks of the past, and you can, I don't even need to name them. Think of that jersey that that recently got replaced that had all the names, the couch jersey that had all the names, you know, taped on it. Just pick any one of those guys. A game like today, you're like, well, you know, he threw the three picks, but three touchdowns. You know, he did. You know, people would be, you know, finding ways to give credit. You know, we have higher standards of Baker, so you know, this certainly wasn't his best game from any metric, but you wouldn't expect him, expect it to be going up against um, a defense like this. Overall, fantastic rookie season. Fantastic rookie season. And now, really, he no, he really no longer is a rookie, and he'll go into this offseason. W- regardless, whatever happens next, you know, I, I want to just kind of ruminate on this whole um this this last year this this 2018 season because it really was a turnaround year for us in so many ways uh would have loved to have loved for it to have been a winning year and when and we don't get that this year and that's unfortunate i was really hoping for that i was really hoping to be able to uh, knock 
uh, Baltimore out. I guess the only saving grace there is that Pittsburgh got uh, equally heartbroken at the same time. So, okay, cool. You can live with that. Um, they were watching it from their, from their field. But that really doesn't bring me a whole lot of joy. I wanted to. I really wanted to win this game, so I'm bummed out. But I'm not. I'm not mad like I was. Like I say, that that game last year at Pittsburgh, you know, losing that game, I was. Uh, I was so angry. And there's a lot of people that thought that was that was their favorite episode. But I was so mad because not because of the things that happened, although the things that happened were were bad enough. Um. I was I and and the thing that got me so mad last year was you know Hugh calling a timeout for for no good reason like he'd like to do and I got just as mad today over that scenario playing out you know as the game went along but it was eventually as it went along it was I got so mad at myself for allowing myself to get this worked up over a game that you know going up against Pittsburgh's backups we couldn't even you know pull out a win. Well, I certainly don't have that sort of animosity today. Um, this was absolutely a game worth getting up over. I'm disappointed that we lost, but you know I am not down on this team. I'm not down on Mayfield at all. You know, congratulations to Mayfield for just a tremendous rookie season. Whatever the the records you know you know the the awards end up being, I don't care. Uh, the the uh, and and tremendous rookie year for Nick Chubb too. Unfortunately, he didn't get his thousand, but whatever. It's uh, still a great rookie year for him. And uh, you know, uh, Jarvis Landry. You know, you you kind of atoned a little bit for that catch late in the game, but dude, um, going into uh, 2019, he, you owe us for all those drops this year. And the doink off of the face mask in a game that we just lost that was our playoff game. You owe us, buddy. I'm just saying. I love you, all right? You know, we're all on the same team here, but you got to clean that up. you got to cut. That, that's fair. That's fair. You know it's fair. Clean it up. Because you make that catch, it's a different ball game. And you know, I mean, you know as well as I do that, you know, most of the last couple of years you've been leading the league in catches. This year you're, like, right up in the top of the league as far as uh, drops are concerned. Look it up. I'm just saying, you need clean it up that's that's what's got to happen going into next year but as far as and and you know but at the same time he's brought a lot to the team that's um that's been quite uh beneficial uh and has made a couple of great catches along the way so you know i'm not hating on the guy i'm just saying got to clean it up because next year is the year that the window opens all right so and you know whether or not he's you know a a number one receiver Versus, I don't care. I, I think that we, as we go into this, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of time to kind of dissect what the, and I have already kind of done it uh, to some extent, what it is that we are, you know, what we do with the roster going into uh, 2019. I, I'm not really thinking about that um, right now. I'm thinking, uh, what I'm thinking about is a 2018 season, football season that was, um, quite enjoyable that I'm really I'm kind of sad to see end because it was so enjoyable it kind of it's unfortunate now that we got to wait um, a, a, you know a good seven eight months before we get to see Baker throw passes again uh, but you know by the, be, between now and then he's going to go into this offseason as the starting quarterback whatever happens with the coaching search that's what I was going to say earlier I am a little discombobulated, so I may lose my train of thought. Not by choice, you know. By, you know, by uh, not trying to, but it's just you know, I'm, 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 I'm. I, this is, this is, this one was tough today. Um, but it's you know, you can't keep the long term perspective. It's it's all good, long term, um, and it is all good long term. This is a team that's definitely on the rise. 
you know, we gave this Baltimore team that everybody is talking about being afraid of meeting in the playoffs. We gave that team, you know, we we had a shot there, and we could we could have you know went for a fifty-seven yard field goal to win the thing. But I was all for uh, kicking the field goal, or I mean, not kicking the field goal. I was all for going for it. I also was for not challenging the Njoku touchdown catch. I was furious that we wasted the time out there because I thought we were going to need it. Ultimately, it ended up not really mattering. Uh, because we were able to, uh, to um, although it could have mattered there possibly at the end if we were able to, if we had all three timeouts, we could have stopped them. And, eh, it, didn't, it didn't go down that way, though. We lost. But I'm just saying that the, the timeout didn't end up hurting us. Um, as uh, like that, that, was, that was really the only part of this game that I got super angry. The, the whole, they just scheme whipped us badly in the first half. And then in the second half, you saw a, um, you know, an adjustment. So as, as I'm saying, we're going to get to all the what we're going to need to do to add to the roster and everything for 2019. But I want to just kind of you know stay in 2018 for a little bit and talk about this game, talk about this season, and uh, talk about also the and and of course we're going to talk about the coach, you know, the, the the coaching paradigm as it exists now, what we should do. I also want to talk about the the college football. Playoff season has has now ended. Oh well, it's it's it will end a week from well a, a week from now, but it depends on whenever it is you hear this. It'll be Monday, and it'll be uh, the the rematch. I guess it's the four match or whatever between Clemson and uh, and uh, Alabama. So I, I I do want to talk about that and, and just the whole college football, just because it's so much conversation about. It. Also, this uh, just listening to you know watching some of the games and listening to to analysis earlier in before the game started today because it was a, a late start um just thoughts about teams and the way they kind of approach the offseason these are all things that are going to be worth considering because our our window is is open we're going into 2019 with a fully functioning offensive you know threatening system one that has a top quarterback, a top running back, an offensive line that can get the job done, and I expect that we're going to add some some other weapons in the receiving game between now and then. But we saw, and we we, we saw over this last um, you know half of the season, and we saw today, it really in a lot of ways, and you know against a very good defense, we saw this team making plays, and so. You know, there's 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 a lot of uh, of optimism to look at as far as uh, the future of this team, uh, and the uh, the you know the way that uh, the, uh, the it's going to be coached is is I think the critical aspect of um, you know of the success model that we're going to have. But I want to step away for a moment and come back and talk about. Um, I think I'm gonna do the college football thing first, just to just to, just to break away from this a little bit. Um, I easy does it. My, this is easy does it. I am easy weave here on dogs by nature. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show. It seemed smart. It seems smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include. Doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. 
This is kind of like, I remember when I was, you know, a young man working at the restaurant. It was Max Dugan's was the place. It was in Chardon, Ohio. And I was a cook there, and I loved that job. I actually made a you know pretty decent career out of it. But I, I just remember, you know, the winter season, you know, it was a time in my life where um, I was just, you know, I was, I'd spent a lot of time alone, and so this... You know, hearing this song by the, uh, the, the 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 long December by the Counting Crows, it came out during that time, and it just and, and in December, I don't know, it's just it's one of these. This is a, this is the time of year for like traditions, and one of the traditions we've had as Browns fans has been terrible, you know, putrid, not worth watching football, and we really, for the first time in a long time, got you know uh, quality, worthwhile football all the way up to the last game for the first time in a long time this year. So, you know, I, I, I reflect on uh, the whole year, kind of, at this time of the year. Not just the month of December. Um, but it's, you know, as far as the football season is concerned, yeah, I mean, just like every year, it's like, wow, I can't believe it's over. You know, it feels like it just started. But really, this does seem like like, like there was two, two seasons there was the first part of the, and even almost like you know two preseasons because you had the the whole hard knocks uh, deal and all that uh, that went into that, and then you have Hugh Jackson for the first half of the year and how that you know what the team looked like there, and then what the second half you know bore out and our you know being in the playoff hunt and then being eliminated you know late in the play but still being able to pull out that win in Denver and almost pulling out this one here today. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have another shot against these guys. We're going to, you know, Baker's going to have plenty of opportunities. Went Ultimately went 3-2-1 and one in the division this year. You know, I ain't going to complain about that. There's a lot of things about Baker's rookie season that you can see, you know, you can see the warts. You can see the areas that he's got to clean up. But hot dog, yo. I mean, this is, I mean, the, the, the areas to look at, you know, from the standpoint of, um, you know, check the box of of good. I mean, he's so far advanced, so far advanced, and you could see this, you know, coming out of college. And speaking of college, you like that segue? Last night, the I just want to take just deviate just a little bit. Just bear with me here, because we had so much conversation about this before the game today, and we're all a little disappointed. But you know, this is just worth talking about just a little bit for me anyway. The uh, the Clemson Tigers just absolutely destroyed the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in a game that I abs- I had no doubt that was going to happen. I predicted it, you know, at, it, it, pretty much at every point in the, the, as the season was going along. I said if Notre Dame gets in, they're going to get beat the hell up by whoever it is they play because they're not really a real team. And I mean, what I mean by that is they're not they're not one of these teams that can compete at the highest levels of college football. They're just not in that caliber. They're kind of like Michigan State. They may or Iowa. They may luck into a a championship, you know, a conference championship and maybe get into the tournament, but when they play one of the teams that are at the highest level, they're going to get beat up. And that's what ended up happening. They're just not at the and they're not really worth worthy of consideration. And this, I said this prior to the bowl game and this was I guess somewhat controversial. 
because who would dare question that Notre Dame, undefeated Notre Dame, wouldn't get into the playoff tournament? And a lot of people were talking about, you know, UCF not getting in, Ohio State getting in was just, you know, we had to, it means that we had needed to expand the playoff. There was something wrong with the playoff. The, the college playoff needs to go from four teams to eight teams, and then everything would be solved. And I roll, like, I cannot roll my eyes at this enough. Because in the first place, no. Notre Dame playing an undefeated schedule against a bunch of nobodies is not impressive enough to get in that conversation. <clears throat> because... The thing that has been that has stood out so far in the era of the college football playoff, which number one wasn't necessary to begin with, and number two does not need to be expanded, but we'll get to that. The one thing that they at least were consistent about is that college uh, conference championships mattered. That if you made it through the gauntlet of you know playing through your conference and then won your conference championship. You know, while having a record that was conducive to being in the top, you know, two or three or four. So you would only have to, you, in, in this scenario, you could only have one or two losses. You know, that meant something. Well, Notre Dame, for some reason, that, that, that doesn't apply to them. And you look at the teams that they beat, and it's like, okay, they're, you know, it's, it's a, I guess if all of those teams were in a conference, you would say that's a decent conference. But still, there's the, there's the entire dynamic of, you know, first of all, playing in a conference where you play against the same teams every year. They get to learn your tendencies. They get to learn your, you know, there's there's something to be said about going up against a rival that knows, you know, that, that just, that knows you, plays you every year. It, there's, there, there's a lot to being in a conference. And them not being in a conference kind of should have disqualified them. And it ought to, especially after this embarrassing showing. Well, I mean, they weren't. I mean, they, they Michigan State would have put up a better shot this year, or Iowa would have done a better job this year against Clemson. UCF would have put up a better game. In fact, I, I mean, again, I was saying this before the bowl games, and I double down on it now. In fact, I don't even know what's going on. I haven't even paid attention to that one. I probably should uh, while I'm running my face here. Um, I think UCF would straight up beat Notre Dame. Straight up. I mean, the way that and UCF, as I'm saying. Realistically, realistically, can we be real here? I mean, if it really should have been OSU and Oklahoma, but I, you know, I said at the time, I'm fine that it worked out, that it didn't work out that way, because I don't think OSU would have done a whole lot better. Well, they would have done a lot better than that. But they, I mean, I don't think that. They, I, I, chances are they would have um, gotten pummeled by Clemson yet again. I really wasn't down on that. So let's go beat up on the Cougars and show you know Urban off onto you know the the, the wild blue yonder and where he'll be a coach again in like two or three years. And we'll get on with the Ryan Day uh, portion of of the uh, of the program, and all that's fine. I was fine with with it going down the way that it did. But I'm just saying that, if, I mean, realistically, everybody now knows that Ohio State was clearly, clearly the better team. And people say, you know, Georgia. Well, you know, Georgia, they were a better team. Well, maybe, but Georgia had two losses. And so there, there, are, there are guidelines that you have to follow here if you're going to do this, again, unnecessary college playoff system anyway people are easy what do you mean it's, it's unnecessary what do you you don't like the college playoff no i'm the one guy i'm the i'm the one guy that was opposed to the college football playoff and here's the reason why it was a solution to a non-existent problem how many times could it be said throughout the course of the years 
and I'm sorry if if you've heard this from me before. It's been a while since I've I've uh, gone into this. Um, but I, I it, how many times could it be said in the last I don't know three decades? However long you want to go back, how how many times could it realistically be said that the number one team in the nation was in serious doubt? Like there was serious doubt about who the number – like you could say that there were two teams that could legitimately lay claim to the number one team. You know, I remember when like Penn State and I think Florida State or maybe it was Nebraska – finished with and i remember like florida state and michigan there was a there was like a there was like twice over the course of where they both finished with tied records didn't play each other and that was that back in the old bcs and that was it over all this period of time so they brought the playoffs along i mean if you seriously if you go back and watch and look at every year you know go back to and that that florida state i want to say it was florida state and michigan this was like 1998 i want to say but you, there really are not any other contested years. If you just go down the line, you're like, yep, 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 yep. I mean, maybe you could say, well, if that team would have played that team, then it, well, okay, fine. But there's not really any argument about who the best team was. From the standards that always were, it's a very incredibly difficult to win a national championship in college football. You basically got to be perfect. And so that's cool. You know, it's cool that that is the standard. You got, but it basically got to be perfect and really, really good to begin with in order to you know have a shot at a national championship. So it's really hard to do. That's what it was supposed to be. And so a lot of college teams don't really get a shot at it for you know a variety of reasons. So we expand it to four games. Does it really make a difference this year? The two best teams are going to play. In any other year, it would have been Clemson and Notre Dame. Any, or I'm sorry, Clemson and well, you know who knows? Maybe in previous years it would have been Clemson and Notre Dame because people would have only at this point, you know, realized or not realized that they are overrated. They're always going to be overrated. They always have been overrated. And this is the point about them. They should never, ever be considered for uh, the playoffs ever again unless they're beating everybody by 30 points or they join a conference. Because that's the whole, you know, that's the deal. Well, now you make it to where um, you have now multiple teams that get in after, you know, one loss, possibly two loss here, because people are talking about Georgia. And who knows, the way that they, they did it this year, there really aren't any standards, so they could do anything next year with all of this. I just think that uh, it, it was, again, a solution to a non-existent problem, and I think the only time that it's it's bucked the trend was when OSU beat Michigan or beat uh, Alabama the one year. Otherwise, it's pretty much followed script every year in the playoffs, where the number one, number two team ended up playing, and the number one, well, hasn't always been number one team. You get what I'm saying? It hasn't really made much of a difference. Now, I'm not saying that it's right, just, or uh, acceptable that you could have a possible scenario that had happened, it did happen, where you have uh, two teams that could legitimately lay claim to the number one um, ranking in the country. But you see, that's where I had a solution for that one as well. They never, they didn't listen to me. If they'd listened to me, they wouldn't have the problems they have now. My solution was this. You have a one-game playoff between those two teams, a one-game like final championship, you know. And I don't know what you call it. You, you find out, you, you you figure out some sort of fancy pants name to call a thing, so it's you know all you know super uh, monstrous and cool sounding. 
and you play it at, this is the kicker, you play it at the venue of and the Saturday prior to the Super Bowl. Huh? Because you've already got a market that is, it's, it's, it's braced for a large influx of people. Well, now you bring in two additional uh, cities that could possibly follow their team to your market. And, yeah, it's going to stretch things out, but that's kind of what you want, right? I mean, and I, maybe a pain for some uh, cities, but, you know, ultimately the cities that bid for the Super Bowl, they want to have as much, you know, they, they, they brace themselves. I see this, in fact, we saw it uh, 10 years ago when uh, the Super Bowl was down here in Tampa, and we're going to see it in a couple of years, you know, coming up when it's down here again, where the city kind of braces itself to be able to take in, the, you know, the influx of uh, all of the, the uh, travelers um, and everything that, that goes along with that well. You know, it could be a boon to that that local economy is the point. But also, it just creates a giant bonanza of you know media uh, attention, and it would just it would just be a huge deal. And you only do that game once every decade or so, making it an even bigger, more legendarier thing. And that would have been a a perfectly fine, capable solution to a problem that only peaks up every once in a great, great, great while. And you'd have like some sort of you know bureaucratic process by which they they determine whether or not this happens every year and everybody you know it's all on the up and up but i mean you're because you're still talking about because this the whole bottom line is that okay we're, we're we that wasn't acceptable now we got to have four teams well who decides the four teams that's right it all comes back down to someone else's subjectivity so since it's still down to what who because i mean there were people that thought that notre dame was one of the four best teams in the country guys it was pretty you know, it, you know, I'm I'm a guy. I can see this. It was pretty easy to see. Notre Dame weren't in the top eight. Notre Dame probably ain't in the top ten of the best teams in the country. And I don't care what sort of regular season they had. This is the point. And if they would have been in a conference, if they would have been in the ACC, they would have gotten pummeled in the championship game, like they got pummeled in the playoff game. And we nobody. And they would have been people would have been like, oh, 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 oh. I get it. They're just not that good. Right. Just like when they played Alabama for the championship game a couple years ago. Remember that? Remember that, Laffer? Just like any time they play anybody good in a bowl game, they usually get it handed to them because they're not, they're just not in that, in that caliber. And they don't really want to be. They're, you know, they're happy being, you know, kind of this crossbreed. They're in like all, you know, they're, they're, they're not really in a conference, but they have a relationship with the ACC. And so they play a couple of games with them every year, but they really like the flexibility with their marketing, yada, 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 yada. Okay, fine. The cost of that now is you are no longer eligible for consideration in the bowl, uh, the playoff bowl series. Sorry, you've you've lost that privilege because you've proven that if given that opportunity, if given that privilege, you're going to stink up the joint like you've now done once in the modern college uh, playoff era, and you know several years ago when you played Alabama straight up for the national title, which was that was another one where you could look at it going into that game saying, guys, this is a joke. And the game, it was a joke, and it was a joke this year. And if, so at, until such time as you get in the AFs, ACC or the Big Ten or whatever, toughen yourselves up, you know, go out there, win a conference. You know, people thought Michigan was a tough team this year. Well, what happened? They ended up playing the best team in their conference, and they got smoked. Then they end up playing, you know, the Gators. And how about Florida laying down? That was, that was you know, how about Michigan, their big, bad defense, giving up 101 points in their final two games? That's nice. Enjoyed that. Enjoyed seeing that. Uh, and it'll be enjoyable watching the Buckeyes lay the whooping on uh, on Washington as well. I mean, 
again, I, none of this is from the standpoint of, you know, Notre Dame sucks, Ohio State should have gotten in. I'm Again, I'm totally fine with Ohio State having not gotten in there because I was not looking forward to I, either of the two, either playing Alabama or Clemson. I just, I was not looking, so I, I'm totally completely content with OSU just beating up Washington and that is the end of the of the urban era and we you know we put a cap on this season and say oh man it sucks at Purdue uh, laid 28 on us in the fourth quarter but that's just the way it goes yep and then we go into next year with uh with uh, all of our uh, and, and that's it's all good um, because the two best teams, and, and honestly, it really doesn't matter because nobody is going is getting close to Alabama. Oklahoma didn't get close to Alabama, regardless what the final score says. And Oklahoma probably got closer to Bama than even Clemson will. I think that's probably going to end up being about a four-touchdown game. Uh, then again, I usually skew heavy on Bama. I just I don't think that it's – that team is, is usually unbeatable. They got two really good quarterbacks. Forget about it. But I'm just saying that um, the the whole the whole rationale for going with Notre Dame was flawed for so many reasons, because and for no other reason, probably bigger than this one, is that if you were going with an outlier, if you were going to go with a, if you were going to go outside of the well power conference champion, uh, you know, won their championship game, you know, and has a one loss on their record. Uh, and no, there are no other, you know, undefeated teams, but that's kind of the caveat. There was an undefeated team, and it's UCF. You know, UCF had UCF won their won their conference two years in a row. I I don't care what conference it is, they won it two years in a row, and in that time, they beat the only team that has beaten Bama during that period of time. And I don't tell me that they weren't trying to win that bowl game. They, you know, they did what they did, and they had a much stronger. And I'm not saying this. I'm not saying that they would have given. They would. Have, I was making this point to uh, our friend Gin and Tonic this morning about this. You know, I'm not saying they would have done any better than Notre Dame. I'm saying you win your. You know, you go undefeated two years in a row. You win your conference over a team that is not even in a conference. Okay, you know what? You've earned your chance to go up and get your nose bloodied on the public on the big stage in the playoffs. You've earned your ticket to get your arse kicked. So go get it, you know. And, and that's okay, fine. They would have earned their right to be in the tournament. I don't think that they would have gone, you know, it would have been probably close. Oh, they probably put up more points, but they give up more points to Clemson. Um, it, it, it functionally it wouldn't have been much different outcome than it was with Notre Dame. Just probably more exciting game to watch. But I'm just saying, if you're going to go with an outlier to really what what the bottom line on all of this is, there's no reason to expand to eight games because it's all going to come, da- come down to subjectivity anyway. You're going to have people arguing about who the ninth and tenth team, and then you're going to want to expand to 16. It's just... There's no reason. There was, there was no reason to do the playoff in the first place. There really is no reason to expand from four. It's all you have to do. You got you got a power five conference. You got your. I should say you got uh, five power conferences. You want to look at it that way. And out of those five, you know you're going to probably end up with a couple of teams that are undefeated and a couple of teams with one loss. And you come up with a way that it's and and it's probably going to work out. 
that you're going to have four teams that are going to be, yep, okay, when you work out this formula, Power 5 won their conference, one loss, zero loss, all right, these are our teams. And it's probably going to end up being, in this era, it's probably going to end up being, yeah, like Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, like, you know, until those teams fall out, and then it'll be, you know, Clemson and Alabama and, you know, Texas and Ohio State, and then it'll be, uh, you know, Alabama and Florida State, and, you know, who, who else is in uh, the ACC? That's I guess that is uh, the other good team that's in the ACC. Because it ain't Duke. Who else is in the ACC? Syracuse? Eh. But yeah, let's you know. It, it just what I'm saying. Or let's say that USC gets good again, or one of the teams in the in the, the Pac-12. That um, I'm saying that these things they, they they they're cyclical. But just kind of follow the formula. You know, if, if you go with the, uh, the, you know, the teams that finish with the top records, the top four records out of the Power Five conferences, chances are you're going to end up with the top four teams in the country. And if you do have an outlier that doesn't win a conference championship, then it's got to be something like, you know, both teams are undefeated. It'd be like Georgia and Bama both went into the conference championship game undefeated and then lost a tight game. And then you got a team sitting there with one loss versus a Power Five conference champion uh, sh- champion with one loss. All right. In, th- in that case, and I think even then it's close. I think even then you're going to have to look at, you know, strength of schedule, all kinds of things to make that determination. I think that if you win your conference, that that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference. It should. That's right. I mean, what really all this comes down to for me is that college football is supposed to be every game is a playoff game. That's what's always been great about it. It's always been different from the pro game. I like that there are different things about the college game than the pro game. I like, for example... That, you know, I really wasn't on board with the whole moving... The, well, it's not that I wasn't on board with it. I just... I, I wasn't... I'm not on board generally with changing the game. But at first, I wasn't really... I didn't really think anything about moving the uh, extra point back to the 15-yard line. I'm kind of good with it now. And one of the things I like about it is that it's different from the college game. Um, and and I, I just... I like that you have that stepped-up uh, level. So, at any rate... Uh, that's my my spiel about the the college football. I know, just just giving you something else to think about. And the heels of a disappointing loss to the Ravens. Browns go down twenty six to twenty four. But this whole uh, you know in the college football season, first of all, just felt like it's you know just an interesting topic. Uh, and take our mind off it for a second. Going to step away when I come back. Finish up talking about. Um, a little bit more about this game today. A little bit more about the, you know, get something I heard a, a lot today about the concept of kind of closing out years with teams that are in uh, playoff uh, closeout type um, uh, games and scenarios. And just what my, my thought is on that, as well as what the options are moving forward for the head coaching search for our beloved Orange Helmets. This is Easy Does It. My name is Easy Weave on Dogs by Nature. say we'll get him next year well <laughs> actually i don't think we ever really say that usually what we say is hey the draft is coming up <laughs> and that's really the next phase of this is uh we we find out who the coach is going to be and then after that it's it's draft season a a uh, an abbreviated draft season for a lot of us a disappointing outcome to a a thrilling game really i mean a game that it looked like we were just going to get run out of the the stadium but 
he made adjustments in the second half, came back, fought back hard. Baker throws three touchdowns, captures the uh, rookie record for touchdown passes, beating two guys, Peyton Manning and Russell Wilson. Peyton Manning is going to be – he hasn't been retired long enough, I don't think. To, has he made the Hall of Fame yet? I don't think he's been inducted into the Hall of Fame yet. But will be in the Hall of Fame. And the other one is Russell Wilson, who is uh, off to a fantastic start to his career, certainly on the Hall of Fame trajectory. Went past both of those guys. Both of those guys started uh, all 16 games as rookies. Baker came in halfway through the third game and didn't, and actually didn't throw a touchdown pass in that third game. So he basically did all of his damage in 13 games. So congratulations on getting that milestone. Um, it doesn't you know, really cover the, the, the pang of, of uh, the loss because you just hate the Ravens. But, again, this wasn't the year uh, for all of this to happen. This was the year for uh, – I mean, unfortunately, because of where we – you know, the, the way we got to where we are is a really – you know, it, it, when you really step back and look at it, it's, it's kind of amazing. And now we are in a spot where truly – uh, we're, you know, we, we have some options to look at as far as uh, head coaches are concerned. And, uh, you know, a year from now, a year from now, I expect to be, I expect for this team to be in the position that a lot of teams were in today that I heard a lot of media people talking about with great angst and great worry and great concern. These are teams that had made the playoffs they had either won their divisions or they had sewn up, you know, first round by or the first seed or whatever. And yet they were in there playing their starting units. Now, not everybody did this. The uh, Saints, they went with their second team and they got walloped. Um, but a lot of teams, the Cowboys, really didn't have anything to play for, supposedly. But, you know, played hard and played everybody and won that game against the Giants. They wanted to win that game. They won that game. And you had the uh, the Texans. They kept Deshaun Watson out there for a long time today. The Patriots kept Tom Brady out for a long time today. And there was this kind of just this general uh, antipathy, this hand-wringing about these guys doing this, these coaches around the league doing this with these players. And it's it's interesting to ponder, you know, because we're talking about we're, we're going to get into a discussion about what we're looking for in head coaches. Kind of already have talked about that to some extent. Um, but I got to tell you that for me, if I'm looking at and, and having, you know, kind of watched the NFL for a long time and seen a lot of different, you know, ways a lot of teams have been successful and unsuccessful with things they have done. Um, I got to tell you that I am very decidedly on the side of if we're in a a game like that where we've already kind of closed everything out and uh, there's not really anything to play for quote-unquote I'm still for going out there with our starters and doing everything we can to win the hell out of the game as best we can maybe you pull the guys out in the third you know quarter fourth quarter if we're winning the game handily Uh, but I think that I, I just I don't think that you roll over I think that there's a lot of things that are deleterious for that. Um, I, there's a lot of advantages, I think, to as a team 
you know, winning a Super Bowl is so hard. It really, it's so difficult to do. And it's just, you know, you got to have everything kind of go right. And you have to have everybody on that team kind of, you know, passionately pursuing it with everything they got. And I just, I, I think that it's difficult when you when you play not to lose or, or you play not to get injured or you don't really play the hardest that you, I think when you don't give it your absolute hardest all the time. This is one of the reasons why I'm not really worried about Mayfield when he takes off and runs. Because if, if you are giving it your hardest all the time, you don't really get hurt as much because you're the aggressor in that situation. And I think that these teams need to have a mindset of being the aggressor every week. And so I don't really have a problem with them doing that. I understand that it could mean that, well, what if your guy gets hurt? Yeah, I understand. That could happen. But I think that it's worse. To, I mean, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to keep your guy from getting hurt? You're trying to win a championship. I'm just saying that I hope that whoever our guy is next year is, first of all, somebody that did well enough for us to be in a spot where we have some things uh, you know, sewn up. But then also makes that determination to uh, to go for the jugular and try to win. You know, just go, go, you're always trying to win. Always, you're always trying to win. Uh, I think, and I think that you go with with what you have. Now, I mean, if your team is especially beat up, like if you've already got guys nursing injuries, I'm not saying that you throw a guy out there if he's got a bad hammy. You know, just because uh, you know you, you you know have everybody had to drago their way through. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that all if everybody's healthy, play them. Go out there and play them. The, um, the 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 uh, the Browns for the most part were healthy for most you know they a couple of uh, got dinged up a little bit there in the second half they really made some adjustments and as far as the the head coaching search is concerned you know I think that going five and three down the stretch Greg Williams um, you know almost got to uh, six and two almost pulled off a win there in Baltimore would have been great didn't happen but I think that. As far as I'm concerned, uh, and I have no idea how he would treat a situation like I just described, but I do think that right now I'm still kind of um, if I if I had a vote on the matter, and I don't, but if I had a vote on the matter, I would cast my vote somewhat um, firmly with, uh, for Greg Williams to be to have the interim label removed and for him to be the full time head coach. This is with the assumption that he wants to be the full-time head coach. I don't know. I don't know if he does. I, I think that he does, but I don't know that he does. So time will tell uh, on that. The, the, my reasons for that are, uh, I, you know, I've talked about this before, but, you know, John Dorsey has given what his reasons are, what his qualifications are for looking for a head coach. And in great meathead fashion, he says a lot and makes it sound like it's really deep, but he doesn't really say a whole lot that you can really get anything out of because he's smart, even though he doesn't necessarily sound like it when he's talking. Um, and what he said is that he wants a guy with high character. He wants a guy with a high football acumen. And he wants a guy that's a a fine teacher of young men, and I agree; those are all important traits to have. Uh, how you define everything is always important. Whenever you know, kind of having these sort of uh, blanket characterizations and such. Uh, you know, Greg Williams having a a being a person of high integrity, certainly that's going to be subject to interpretation from person to person. I think as it relates to his role with the Browns, 
Um, I don't really got a whole lot of problems with anything that he's done here. I think when you've got a culture such as was what Hugh Jackson was fostering, and you see the way that it changed when Hugh Jackson left under the direct supervision of Greg Williams, that's very difficult to, um, to well to, to not take notice of in my in my view. And so I, I think that um, I, for me, the integrity question is not a problem when it comes to Greg Williams. It's, it's not something that I'm concerned about. Uh, certainly, he's got a high football acumen, and I think he's definitely a teacher, a, a fantastic teacher of young players. So, But I also think that those three qualifications that John Dorsey laid down there are fine, but they're kind of incomplete. Those are the prereqs to get the interview. If I'm giving the interview, I'm looking for three additional things. The first thing is the need, desire, enthusiasm, the want to, the know-how, and the alacrity associated with the execution of you know, harmony, uh, continuity, the, the consistency of purpose, uh, all being on the same page-ness. Uh, getting, you know, just just basically the the concept of unity, the concept of, you know, everybody kind of singing the same song, you know, as as much as it's possible for the head coach to thread that needle on a daily basis. That to me is the number one most important trait to be displayed by a head coach. It's one of these things that you never see on game day. It's one of these things that you never see as a fan. Period. You know, all you ever see is what's on game day. Uh, and But as far as that goes, the next important thing is got to have a guy that can pretty consistently scheme a game plan against an opponent that can look at what an opponent does and effectively be able to game plan against what that opponent does uh, to the extent to where we are able to gain an, advan- an advantage and, you know, ultimately win the game. Now, there's also, a, a, you know... There's the reality that no matter how good you are, you know the best coaches of all time get beat from time to time. So and and look, it's it's a it's the big leagues, so it happens. It maybe happens often than anybody wants, but it happens. So you need to have a guy that can effectively counter and make adjustments if stuff goes wrong. And I think that today you saw, um, I, first of all, in this this whole second half of the season, Greg Williams has done a fantastic job of that first thing. And as far as I've been able to see, and that first thing, kind of that unity of purpose, everybody being on the same page, everybody being of the same accord. You know, I, I think to me that look that the, what that what the body language of that appears to be in my eyes is stronger than it's been the whole time uh, that I've been watching this team for a long time. I don't know how far back I need to go to, to find a, you know better uh, attitudinally as far as that goes, and that that's got to be you know the fountainhead of that has got to be Greg Williams. Um, so I'm I'm great with that. The, the he, there have been games this year where he has schemed very effectively against an opponent. More often than not, <laughs> that has not been the case. But today was another example, even though it wasn't enough ultimately to get to get the job done. But it was another example of the defense making adjustments after really getting gashed badly uh, earlier in the game. You know, they really were just whipped. I mean, they, they were they were just mind whipped uh, by the schemes that Baltimore was throwing at them in the first half, especially when they built the big lead. But Greg's defense adjusted, and they did make adjustments in the second half, and they were way more effective in the second half. And 
We had a shot in the second half because the defense kept rising to the occasion. Um, so that's that's kind of and, and this is the first time that's happened. Uh, there's been you know against the uh, the Panthers, the adjustments were made in the second half, and we we were able to shut them down and ultimately win that game. Um, you know against the the Texans, it wasn't enough, but there was adjustments made. So there are there are certainly I think. All of the boxes are checked, in my mind, enough to say, especially when looking out at the landscape of potential coaches that could be available to us, that I just assume go with Greg Williams and go with anyone else. And along with that is the understanding that if if this doesn't work out, if Greg is subpar, and this is, by the way, I, whether or not Freddie Kitchens comes along or not, I'm, I'm, I want Greg Williams to be the coach. This is not contingent on Freddie. I think that it's uh, one of the scenarios most likely that Kitchens stays as offensive coordinator, Kitchen or uh, Greg being retained. But to me, it's not conditional on that aspect. I think that 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 uh, Greg could be named the head coach and get a different offensive coordinator, and fine. But if that's if that's not going to be the case, oh, as I was saying, if it doesn't work out, well then. Next year, after next offseason, if we underperform, because the expectations are going to be pretty high going into next year, you know it. So if we underperform, it's going to be kind of easy to divest ourselves of Greg and move on to somebody else. Maybe next year when the coaching pool is a little deeper, the talent pool is a little deeper as far as head coaching candidates. Uh, it just doesn't look – I mean, the guy that a lot of people are, are tossing around today was Josh McDaniels. You know, we, we've done that song and dance before. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I'm not interested. Who else? Lincoln Riley, the way that Oklahoma looked last night. Now, yeah, they were playing Alabama. But is that – and does he even want to coach at the big league level? Point is – and I can name a bunch of guys. You know who they all are. You know, Matt Campbell, um, coach of uh, Iowa. Who, you know, Nobody even knows if he wants to be in the NFL. It's not like they've been barn burners at that, at that program. Uh, Adam Gase, the guy that's about to get fired from Miami, supposedly. So, I mean, none of these guys really are – it's anybody that you look at and say, that's the guy that that we absolutely need to go get that's head and shoulders above Greg Williams. I think when you look at Williams' performance, it's as good or better than any of those prospects, and you don't – and you have the additional benefit of, hey, guess what? The system's already in place here. Such as it is, the system's in place. So guess what? We go into next year basically doing the same system. And if we are able to retain Freddie Kitchens along the way, well then, all right. Now we're cooking with gas because now Kitcho and Baker just go into the offseason just 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 going at it, going to town with everything they're going to do heading into 2019 when the playoff window opens up. And as I say, if Greg isn't able to step into that window and if we underperform next year and his you know direction as head coach seems to be a primary indicator as to why that is, well then, hey, we can move on. Whereas if we hire somebody else, even if it is Freddie Kitchens, you're basically tied to that guy for two years minimum, unless they really uh, defecate all over themselves. But with the talent on this team, that's not likely to happen. Um, but if you have a guy that's that's not at that level, that can't compete at the level that we're going to need to, to be able to compete against teams like the Ravens today or the Steelers next year, or uh, the Patriots for as long as they continue doing what they're doing. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna be in that conversation, if we're gonna beat those guys, well, then we're going to you know we're gonna have to have a guy that can do all of those things. And I don't, I don't know if Greg is that guy. I think that Greg has shown enough that um, he may be. 
I'd like to see more. I'd like to see him with an entire offseason to put, you know, everything that he, you know, his whole coaching, his head coaching philosophy into practice. I'd like to see that happen. And I'd like to see, I'd really like to see him doing that and, and continuing to build up the guys defensively while basically keeping his hands totally off the offense and letting Freddie, and letting Freddie Kitchens do his thing. But if it can't be that way, if Greg isn't the answer, then my next um, most hopeful selection would be, and I know people have a problem with this, but it's Bruce Arians. There's been indications that he's, you know, he's basically been out there saying, I would coach the Browns. That's the team that I'd like to come back and coach. I think he's a good coach, and I think you put a good coach on this team. He's already said that he would keep Freddie Kitchens along. Uh, presumably, Kitcho would stay stay on. Hopefully, that would be the case. Again, it seems to be one of the only real options where Kitchens would stay on as offensive coordinator, which really would be the most um, optimal way for this whole thing to eventuate is for Kitchens to remain as offensive coordinator somehow, some way. And I think one of the really the only two viable ways that that could happen would be either Greg Williams stays on as head coach or Bruce Arians comes on uh, and, and replaces Greg. And I think that if he did replace Greg, he probably would be replacing Greg overall. I don't think Greg stays on as the defensive coordinator unless he really just doesn't want to be head coach. So if Greg just doesn't want to be the head coach – then I'm all for bring in Arians. You let Kitcho continue running the offense with Baker. You let Greg uh, get back to running the defense full time, and let's go. I'm not t- totally thrilled with everything Greg does defensively, but I'm willing to to, uh, to you know give it a third bite of the apple. We haven't had a defensive uh, scheme kind of in place for you know that long, and it has shown you know it's, it's had its moments where it's shown well. We can get a couple big bodies up front. I'm I'm, I'm with it. We can do that. And I realize people, well, you know, you got a short shelf life on Bruce Arians. I don't care. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl the next couple of years. People, focus here. The window is open. (laughs) It's time for us to stop getting out of rebuild mode. A thought process. What we need to do is go out there and get a couple of weapons to get us over the hump to go out there and win playoff games next year. Because we're there. I mean, we just, we almost knocked off the AFC North champs. After knocking off several teams this, you know, last couple of months that, you know, were vying for playoff with a rookie quarterback that played like a pro bowler. And he very well may play in the pro bowl and broke the rookie, you know, passing touchdown record. We're ready to do this. We're not. We don't need to. So at that point, uh, you know, us getting this coaching search is, is, of course, absolutely, you know, it's critical. It's crucial. But if. You know, Arians is only going to be around for three, four years. But within that three, four years, we are, are well coached enough. We are, you know, the roster is stacked enough with, you know, enough quality depth. And Baker performs well enough for us to win a championship or more than one. Then, guys, I mean, that's, that's, that's you know, we can, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to die at that point. You know, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I, I'd like to see the rest of Baker's career, but I don't. You know, I'm, I've, I basically reached the zenith of, of of existence in this realm. So, you know, I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about. Now, if you have to replace him in three or four years, okay, fine. Then, at that point, you look at possibly if it's a viable option. Maybe it's not at that point because some of the thing that some things that people are one I should say one thing people are talking about is possibly just elevating Freddie Kitchens. And you will remember that it was yours truly, it was I, your beloved friend, Easy, that said, I think, you know, going into the Chiefs game, that I would be all about, you know, moving Kitchens to a head coach 
but I mean, as time has gone on, I've kind of revised my thinking on this. Just is not the most optimal solution. I, I wouldn't be against it. It's just that it's not my most optimal solution. Um, I actually have reason to think that Kitchens might might actually be a pretty good coach. Um, you'll notice that you know we we do seem to make those those adjustments offensively. So that resiliency is a big deal, and I think Kitcho has it. You know, for the offensive part of the ball. Uh, but that you know, being a good coordinator doesn't necessarily mean that when you're a head coach, what you were successful with as a coordinator translates when you're the head coach. You see this all over the place. You know, it's it's enough to say that you know you're just because you're a good coordinator doesn't mean you make a good coach. Well, it's also you know you need to include in there that just because you're the head coach doesn't mean you're going to be as effective a coordinator as you were when you were a coordinator. Now, maybe he hires people that you know can run his you know his system. Uh, the way that that he runs it and that he trusts and all of that and you know that's that's all fine and if we go in that direction look at if we go in that direction I'm going to be fine with Freddie Kitchens uh, as the head coach I'm just saying that you know if you if you keep a guy around for that reason then uh, you know I think you run yourself into the risk of doing what the Buccaneers did down here where they kept along a guy who you know for the purpose of of uh, you know developing your quarterback and he turned out to be a lousy coach and your quarterback didn't ultimately get developed the way that you wanted him to so now they're going to have to start over with somebody else. And, you know, I don't I, – I'm not really averse to starting over with somebody else if the decision here is none of the above. If John Dorsey's out there and he's like, nope, I'm, uh, you know, Greg did a, a great job and I'll certainly recommend him to uh, the guy that I'm going to hire, but he's out. Nope, Arians is, you know, I like him a lot. I've, lo- I've known him for a long time, but he's not the guy. He's too old. Nope, I like Kitcho, and I'll certainly recommend him to the coach that I'm ultimately going to hire, but he's not ready for this job. The guy that I want is, how about Dave Tube, the or Taub? I don't know how you say his name. The special teams coach. I like special teams coaches. You know, that maybe think of this. Are there a lot of special teams coaches – now, let me say this differently. Of the coordinators that have failed, what is the percentage of special teams coaches that haven't worked out as NFL? Because I like I want to say that that special teams coaches have a higher batting average than like offensive or defensive coordinators. And so I that would be so let's say that he does that, he he picks that guy, which I guess is like my functional like fourth option at this point. Um if he comes in, if he's the guy, you know, if he if he is the guy, if he's the coach that I'm talking about that is going to make the right decision at the end of the year next year when we're, you know, finishing off a, a playoff caliber season and is able to out-scheme opponents and be resilient and also have that, that harmony while also being a person of high integrity and a, you know, teacher of young men and also a high football acumen, you know, if he's all of those things and he's got that special touch to get the roster playing better for him, then, my friends, the offensive coordinator is going to be just fine, whoever it is. I'm not saying that you can put anybody in there. I'm saying that the head coach, way, 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 way more important than whoever the offensive coordinator is for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is the first pick overall. He'll adapt. He'll be fine. He will connect with a new offensive coordinator if it comes to that. It shouldn't be the reason why we don't go out and get the best head coaching candidate we possibly can get. And this is where really all of this this ultimately lands, is that I really do trust John Dorsey. I trust Meathead to go out and make the right decision. Whatever it is, he decides. Even, I know, 
people will disagree with me on this, even if it is Josh McDaniels. And I don't believe, you know, the fact that it's being reported that it's McDaniels tells me that it's absolutely not going to be McDaniels because me that don't leak nothing. That ain't his style. That ain't how he does things. So, you know, I think that you can pretty much take it to the bank that, uh, that it won't be McDaniels if it's being leaked out now. But it could, be, it could very well be a surprise. Uh, but, you know, a, a, a win, a convincing win, definitely. A win, most assuredly. Um, a close loss, eh, it's certainly in the realm of the possible and maybe should be that Greg Williams gets the nod and takes over next year. And, and again, that's where, if, if I had a vote on the matter, that's where my vote would be. But I don't have a vote on the matter. So whatever it is that happens, I'm going to be good with it. And then after we decide what that is, uh, well, you know, once that is determined, then we start really unpacking and looking at the, well, then, you know, at that point, there's really two things. And, and you know, look, I'm, I'm still going to be around. You know, you wonder, you know, if, if, if I, don't, I don't know if I'll do, you know, two shows a week every week, but I'll be around. You'll hear from me about every week. I ain't going nowhere. I'm with y'all. I'm loyal. So loyal it hurts. But we'll be, you know, I'll be around Undercut Your Hearth this entire off season as much as I possibly can. So don't worry about that. Don't, you know, we'll be, we'll be around. We're talking to you. But I'm just saying that you know the next phase of this, after we get through the coaching search, you know the the rest of the playoffs now going into, uh, and now is where it really you know this is you know, the end of the regular season, and you know we're thinking oh the playoffs start, the playoffs are going to be over so quick. Uh, this is where it really goes fast. But you know that all that's going to end. We're going to get our head coach, and then the next big the next big thing is going to be, and it may happen between you know all, the, all of this happening is you know what do we do with players like Brashard Perriman and Greg Robinson, and you know people haven't really talked about the fact that we've had three first rounders basically revitalize their careers with the Browns. You, did you know that? Did you did you, did you know that? And whether or not we, we re-sign those guys, I think we should absolutely re-sign both of them. Robinson, I think, is a priority signing, like on the order of we could have signed him to a cheap long-term deal. We didn't. Too bad, so sad. Uh, like 3-30-15, like in that range is what I'm talking about. Like three years, $30 million, like 15 guaranteed. Do it. Do it. He's played a – I mean, that, that line today gave Baker enough time against a, you know, a hellacious pass rush – um, it wasn't until the end that and, – and Baker, you know, he made his mistakes today. I'm not – you know, he, he had a great rookie year. Um, but he's going to have to play better than he did today in order for us to get where, he, what we're going, where we are going to go. And he will. He'll get there. It's going to be okay. Uh, I ain't worried about – I'm not even a little bit worried about Baker Mayfield. I am, you know, off the charts excited about his rookie year. He validated basically everything that I, you know, knew he was going to be. Uh, once, you know, coming out of Oklahoma, going into the draft, when we drafted him, going into the season, it's just, it was such a joy to watch him, you know, this, uh, this entire, uh, 2018 season. And that's really, you know, that's the sad part, you know, closing out the year is that we're going to have to wait now, uh, you know, seven or eight long months before we get to see him in action again. But as I say, in between then and now, you know, we're going to have, uh, those decisions about what to do with uh, those players, those those handful of guys that we're going to have to sign. And then the next thing is going to be free agency. You know, who's going to be available? Who do we want? You know, and all that stuff. The You know, if there's a trade partner out there or two, like last year when we made three big trades in one night, that ended up being a huge uh, deal for the franchise. Really was <clears throat> major things that happened on that, on that night. Uh, and then, of course, it's time to start officially scouting the draft prospects. 
and uh, who you know who are you going to be looking at? I'm going to be looking at wide receivers. I'm going to be looking at defensive backs. I'm going to be looking at interior defensive linemen. Uh, and then I'm going to be looking at everybody, including quarterbacks, not because I expect us to draft one, but just because I, you know, I kind of want to keep up on, um, you know, been watching them so intently these last couple of years. Uh, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on uh, the ones that are going to be, you know, on how these guys are going to perform as they come out. I've had a pretty solid track record on them. So, you know, I need to check out the guys that are uh, that are going to come out. Uh, what was Will Greer? I guess he's probably at the top of the list. I guess I'll check him out first. Um, but it's look, it's that time. It's it's the football season never ends is the point. We just move on to the next thing. Uh, but it was this year was a lot of fun. Yeah, this uh, last game was disappointing, but it was still a lot of fun. And you know this next you know part of the journey is it's also going to be fun. It's just going to be a, a different a different phase for us. Uh, going you know a, a coaching change that isn't happening because of of uh, you know failure. I mean, ultimately it is, but, you know, we're not going into the offseason with that frame of mind. We're going into it with a, you know, sense of, you know, we just need to get the guy that's that's going to help us to prime the pump to really make the, take the next step next year. And we're right there. We are on the cusp of it. That was really, that you know, that was, while this was a playoff game in many ways, that was really sewn up no matter what. And we still went out there and gave it all, we gave it our all, we, we you know, left it all out there on the field. And, and I'm proud of these guys on balance. For, I'm proud of the year that Baker Mayfield had. I'm proud of the year Miles Garrett had. I'm proud of the year that Nick Chubb had. I'm proud of the year that Jabril Peppers had. I'm proud of the year, I mentioned Greg Robinson, that he had. I'm proud of the year, ultimately, that the offensive line had, particularly the interior guys. I'm proud of the year that David Njoku had. They had some trouble with drops earlier on in the year, really kind of cleaned that up as the season went along. I'm proud of the year, uh, mostly, that Joe Schobert had, even though he had some injury trouble halfway through. Um, I'm, I'm proud of the year that Denzel Ward had and hope that he can, you know, I think that going into 2019, what he needs to do is get a Mark Kelso helmet. If you don't remember him, he played uh, safety for the Bills in the 90s. He needs to get a helmet like that and needs to learn how to tackle like Deion Sanders. And uh, that's, uh, you know, and, and oh, yeah, new special teams coach, that'd be great. Just Just fire famous Amos and make Josh Cribbs the guy. I'm good. Let's just do that, and we'll be in good shape. Um, but you know, look, as I say, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been great talking with you this year. This year has been so much more fun than the first two were talking with you after all of these games. And, uh, we just move into the next phase of our, our football life, our Browns football love. Uh, and it then now goes into, uh, the head coach search. And from there will be the re-signing of players. From there will be free agency. From there will be the draft. And from there will be, uh, you know, organized team activities and then training camp and then preseason. It'll be here before you know it, just like 2018's done. The year 2018 is done. It just started, right? It's always like that. Coming to the new year, and it just ends so quickly. And with each passing year, the, the older I get, the faster these years uh, tend to go. This year was like a rocket ship, just like the last one was. Um, but you know, it's, uh, it's still with a lot of gratitude and appreciation that I do get to talk with you and, uh, God willing, I'll be here next year, you know, with a, a postseason, you know, uh, or I should say a, a regular season wrap up show. And we'll be talking about instead at that point, the, uh, the Browns moving into the playoffs and, uh, maybe even having a bye or hosting a game or whatever, whatever fun it is we'll be having, you know, <clears throat> a year from now at that point, certainly a major difference between a year ago and a year from now. So no reason that we can't expect a big difference between, uh, this year and next year. I hope that you have a tremendous, uh, rest of the weekend, rest of the day, a happy, happy new year, a wonderfully prosperous and, uh, 
tremendously beneficial 2019 and uh, just our you know all the love and happiness that you can muster and you can possibly stand i hope that you get all of it um, now and always i appreciate being with you it was a fun year look forward to the next one and i'll continue to be with you as i can my name is easy weave this has been easy does it on dogs by nature until next time take care good luck god bless Sam. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. So you listen to podcasts, check it out.